Hello everybody and welcome to Dragged into Turbo Lasers, a miniature wargaming podcast from the people behind the blog Between the Bolter and Me. And in today's episode, we're joined by the wonderful Colty to talk about his painting process and journey and a lot about all the cool old hammer models he's been painting. So with that, sit back and enjoy. Everybody and welcome to Dragged into Turbo Lasers, a miniature wargaming podcast from the people behind the blog Between the Bolter and Me. This is episode 99, and I'm your host, Eric Wire, and I'm here with my two brothers, Adam Wire. Hey, everybody. Greg Wire. Hey, everyone. And I'm really excited that we have a special guest with us today, Kari, or better known perhaps as Colty on instagram i'm happy to have you here that was in finnish hello hello excellent excellent yeah really excited to have you here um people perhaps know you from all your work just through out instagram as well as your participation in the i'm gonna say super group iron sleet of excellent primarily (laughs) finnish hobbyists as well as, yeah, you had an earlier blog called Spiky Rat Pack that, I don't know, was kind of around right when we started our blog between the Bolter and me. And yeah, we've been just following you for many years and are just excited to chat about the hobby and uh, yeah, how things have been. But yeah, again, nice, nice to have you here. Thank you. Nice to be here. And thank you for inviting me to this uh well so one thing that i was yeah one thing that i should say to like viewers and stuff if you haven't ever looked at spiky rat pack you should go online and find it because like most of the stuff is still up there and it is a great resource i'm glad it's still around (laughs) yeah it's it's kind of like a time machine to go there and check what (laughs) happened like over 10 years ago yeah, no, nah, it's it's crazy right. to think it's been that long. But yeah, I guess maybe that's could be somewhere we could start with questions here. But yeah, right when we started our blog, which was yeah ten years ago, it was sometime around then that we discovered your work there, which lots of cool, I guess Ink Twenty Eight sort of stuff, conversions and things like that. Can you just talk a little bit about how you? started that blog and what it was about yeah sure thing uh well many many years ago uh back in i think it was 2006 when i came back to the hobby so to speak mm-hmm. i bumped in the in my old friend mikko back in our home hometown Kannus, and uh, we were like uh, just sitting in a bar and drinking beers and uh 
and uh, one of our like this uh, co-friend came to talk with me and said that do you still do those miniatures and i was, was like uh, yeah every now and then yes and he was uh, like uh, but there's mikko if you remember remember him and he still does the miniatures also and uh, mm-hmm. went there on his table and started chatting about warhammer with him and uh, it feel and instantly like kind of like a clicked that uh uh-huh. there's my like a friend who knows what i'm talking about and and from there we started like doing these uh, uh co-projects like mikko he was and he's still a great sculptor and he was sculpting these miniatures and i, I painted them on this one uh finnish forum and uh we published them in there uh, all the diaries how the things were designed and stuff like that. And uh, at some point we found out or realized that I think we that we should maybe start blogging. Mm-hmm. And then we discovered the Spike Rat back and started the blogger blog. And uh, yeah, that was the start of the, sub, of the Spike Rat back. But uh, how I got into Inc. 28 or Inc. VC 28 scene was like the, when John John Planche happened to bump in our blog and started chatting with us. He kind of asked us to come to visit Nottingham and uh, the Warhammer uh, Fest or whatever it was, Golden Demon event, I think, Golden Games Day event, I think it was back then. And uh, we went there and met John and uh, had a really good chat with him. And uh, when we came back from that trip, I think it was 2000. Uh, 10, 11, I think, something like that. We started doing this punk moth scenario mm-hmm. for which we both, Mikko and I, started uh, designing these uh, groups of different henchmen around these Inquisitor characters. And uh, yeah, that was the, I think, the time when you also discovered our block Spiker Rat Pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Like that, John found your work and you got to meet him. Yeah, me and Mick, we have been like uh, these big John Blanche fans for our entire entire life, and it was like bold from the clear sky when John was like <laughs> coming to uh, write comments on your blog that, hey, yeah, guys, <laughs> what's up? Yeah, wow, like, that's what? <laughs> what? Yeah, that was like a <laughs> had to be a bit surreal, but I mean, I can understand why. I feel honestly both of your styles kind very much fit that gritty dark aesthetic that he traffics in so well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can understand it, but that still in no way diminishes kind of the excitement and such behind that. But yeah, I feel that like particularly spiky rat pack was yeah we found shortly after we started the blog and i feel it was at that time that we were slowly starting to get more excited about sort of this ink 28 style of things and just building stuff painting it to kind of explore elements of the setting that we thought were neat rather than such a focus on what's the next codex book or how yeah. can we min-max rules and so forth? And 
I, you know, I obviously like that style of things a lot better and our blog ultimately kind of shifted towards that way relatively quickly, but yeah, spiky rad pack was certainly was a help towards that end. Yeah, and it's uh, it was different times back then uh, because uh, when you think about the current like pro- products that Games Workshop pushes, like every week comes something cool yeah. and <laughs> interesting as that way. But back then there were weren't that many like these basic pieces that you could use, so you had to be really creative when you planned or executed something that you wanted to do. Like, for instance, if you wanted to do an inquisitor, there weren't that many different body body parts or faces, heads or stuff like that, that you could use. So you had to, like, really figure out which bits you you wanted to use. Yeah, and I sort of feel like also because of that, at the time when they finally started to shift more into doing plastic, like, character models... Like, there were a whole slew of different ones that, say, Brian Nelson had sculpted. And at the time, since those were available, like, you started to see them in, like, so many different cool conversions and stuff. The fat Nurgle dude with the axe, I feel, was it. Yeah, that's the classic. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, one of the classic (laughs) ones that it's almost like a rite of passage. Like, you have to kind of... Everyone has to kind of do something with that. We never actually did that. Maybe we should actually do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we probably should. It's it's like an Inquisitor twenty eight boot camp. To yeah, because right. yeah. <laughs> it is interesting. Because yeah, those were like kind of some of the first like individual character models that were all plastic. Because before it was mm-hmm. like maybe they would release a large like multi part like kit for the regular troops and whatnot. But the characters were almost entirely metal. And yeah, so that yeah. was kind of exciting. But yeah, it has only been in the like the last like I don't know five years that you know they've released all the plastic Necromunda war bands, and it's like you're saying like literally every week they're releasing a new couple of kits, so it is much different, and kit bashing is is like easier than ever. And I'm not going to say that the scale's always right because Games Workshop shifts that around a lot, but it's still substantially easier to tack things together and make a convincing model without having yeah. to pull out like green stuff or modeling putty and do a lot of splicing and such. Well, I feel yeah. there was also a time back then where you could sort of more conceivably be familiar and know like all of the different kits and what what all the different pieces look like and were available and now you you really can't and it's much more common that you see a conversion it's like wow i have no idea where most of that stuff came from but like that's cool (laughs) yeah and uh back then uh i think one of the pinnacles that you had to do was to do a arch scale space marine or true scale space marine (laughs) And that's true boy, 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 it was hard back then because you had like like use different Terminator parts mm-hmm. and uh, like really use force to make it look good. And uh, I, I think back in the days of Spiky Red, back when I did my first uh, true scale Space Marine, the Red Corsair, 
captain. Uh, it was really big, like a uh, learning process, how to do something mm-hmm. like that back then. But these days you can basically use a uh, primary marine body to make yeah. <laughs> pretty much suitable uh, true scale space marine. No, yeah, it's much easier. Like no longer do you have to like, well, like let's break out the Terminator legs and try and repose them, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen the new Imperial Guard or whatever Astra Militarum or whatever they they are calling them these days. But uh, I aren't they kind of like uh, reaching the same scale like the yeah they, so. Uh, there, I only, I guess, on this past Monday, I went and bought one of the Imperial Guard command squads just because I wanted to look at them and get a sense of what they've done. And they're pretty different from a lot of the other stuff. They're in terms of scale, they're more similar to like the the newer sister of battle plastics. And yep. overall, they look they look pretty good. The thing that's I find most strange is the size of the heads of the models are very small and they decided for some almost like unknown reason they were going to add the size of the female heads are even smaller than the male heads. Okay. And I don't really know why they did that because they just look even more awkward because their bodies are all the same. It's just the size of their heads differ. And yeah. I even the male heads are too small, but then when they make the female heads even smaller, it just looks really, really weird. Yeah, so I don't yeah. quite know why they did that, but um, that's Games Workshop always doing weird things, but that's fun. <laughs> I was going to ask if it looks like one of those new Imperial Guard could fit inside a suit of Primaris power armor, or do they even look too big? To do that um i would imagine if you would like a lot line them up i haven't looked that closely but i would imagine they would probably actually relatively well like fit in a suit of primaris armor um if you would line them up next to one another the guard would look smaller but then again they're not in the larger armor. suit of armor bulky armor so while they look nice, I sort of feel like they they're not quite right. I think that's something that's often done like the scale maybe at first glance looks okay because like the primaris are obviously bigger, but if you like take into consideration that the armor is really thick plate and such, it's not as convincing. But with all that said, I still feel your red corsairs are some of my favorite true scale space marines they they're very cool yeah i think they just fit the aesthetic and what i think of when i think of a space marine and i think all the effort you put into it was worth it and i yeah they're still probably my favorite and they're like i feel in terms of for like a chaos space marine chapter they they look much more like sinister and menacing than most of the kind of cartoony, garish looking chaos stuff the GW puts out. Like, 
all the tiny little spikes and skulls and whatnot that you manage to put on yours, I feel goes a long way and gives a lot more, say, individuality to each of the models. Because you'd sort of like to imagine that each of these Marines have been around for, like, countless millennia. You'd think they would kind of each sort of do their own thing and be a little more individual. And, like, I think you captures you capture that really well. You don't have as much filigree either on the armor, which I think helps. It sort of simplifies the composition in a way. Yeah. And then also, I think, with the, the painting that you do, like that nice um, dull red just looks looks really nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's kind of interesting. The the whole process when I was designing the red courses was that I wanted to make them each an individual individual, like uh, if they were just pursuing their own path towards the God of Chaos whichever it was and they were just like punch of guys to hit together just by the hat- hatred of the imperium only <laughs> yeah and and uh yeah and and the chaos uh, i wanted to keep it minimal to be shown outside but uh more, more like it was like inside them mm-hmm. inside their head the heresy and stuff like that that uh, it wasn't so obviously like coming outside with all the you know menacking spikes and stuff like that of course there are some spikes in them holding the skulls and <laughs> stuff like that that's a little more sinister like yeah. if someone saw them they <laughs> yeah i think that good. that you've been a bit more reserved with them in that way it makes it makes it stand out more and be more impactful rather than just yeah. spikes everywhere and but- it's a uh, the skulls are like they are the real skulls they are not like uh, uh these emblems or you know mm-hmm. like images in their armor the armor itself is it's basically the primary armor that has been converted a little bit to look like chaos space marine yeah. armor with the spikes and the skulls and the skulls are the victims of their their are campaigns and they are like their trophies rather than like sticking head, skulls in their armor plates and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think it's pretty amazing how well the, the your more recent conversions that were more based on Primaris, how well they fit with kind of your original ones. And I think that just speaks to your skill, ability to kind of translate those things and through painting and converting and all that to make a very cohesive force, which I think is is really nice. Yeah, to be frank uh, about the red armor itself, uh, if I had to paint that red corsair now with the same theme, I wouldn't be successful because I have, like, whenever I started painting one, I had to re- re- uh, relearn the process <laughs> because it was so much back and forth and back and forth uh-huh. to make the, it look the way it does look and that's one of the challenges whenever someone is like asking me on instagram or patreon how do you paint your red courses it's like well actually it's not (laughs) that simple (laughs) but if you have time i can explain it to you but it won't be fun Uh it will be pain (laughs) well that that fits with chaos right it's yeah yeah, it's certainly like looking at it you can tell there's a lot of like 
depths and stuff in the red that at least when I look at it, I think like that's probably a very involved thing. Um, well, do you have doesn't... any plans to make more of them or are you satisfied with where they are? <sighs> I have plans to do at least two more Marines. And okay. uh, I, at some point I was planning on doing some cultist too, but uh, I am, I kind of like it the way they are like just a space Marine army. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's always opportunity. Yeah, at, at least two Marines, and I might be trying to make a tutorial <laughs> for <Okay>. the Red. <laughs> maybe. Super excited, I yeah. imagine. Which yeah. I guess maybe we probably should have done this earlier, but yeah, so you've actually, people should follow you on like Patreon and such, because you're started to make a lot of cool tutorials and such, which I think. Yeah, it is exciting and it's nice to get some of those step-by-step guides to see how you achieve some of these things because they're not, it's not as simple as like just slap a contrast paint on things and even though you do use some contrast <laughs> paints, but. Yeah, I, I do. I do use them quite a lot, actually. Yeah, They are a very nice tool in the box. Not not a kind of like a magic wand that you just. Yeah. Whoosh, yeah. and you have beautiful models yeah they tried to sell them as that but they're not or I mean you can do it but I don't think you get like the effect you really want but the fact that they're somewhat transparent kind of does give them a lot of flexibility I was just going to say one of the things that I always thought was sort of remarkable like your, your way of painting miniatures and such like I would say it's almost immediately at least to me is almost immediately recognizable or i can pretty clearly tell like wow that looks like one of your miniatures which i think is really cool because particularly even now that you started to spend more and more time painting a lot of old hammer stuff it's still very distinctly your style which i think is really cool yeah that's nice to hear uh, it's it's something that you develop uh, mm-hmm. in the years when you are in the hobby. I can say the same thing about your miniatures that whenever I like scroll the Instagram and okay. see <laughs> a miniature ah, they, this is your your miniature, I can instantly tell it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's nice to have like this distinctive mm-hmm. uh, style that people notice. And I, I, I kind of feel like the, there's there's some like uh, differences between the 40k stuff that I've doing, I've been doing when I was part of the Iris League and the old timer stuff that I do these days. But uh, yeah, there's still like some similarities with, between the styles. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fun to see all of these old miniatures painted in your meticulous and great style as I'm accustomed to seeing a lot of those older things maybe painted by people who are when they were first getting into the hobby and didn't know how to paint, so they look bad. So it's pretty neat to see some of these kind of wonky old-looking miniatures painted mm-hmm. to such a high level. I like that a lot. Yeah, and it's very fun. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. better. A lot of these models have probably never been painted so well. 
which is, that is, is cool. certainly true. It's it's a kind of well, like my life goal to make these old miniatures look good with the modern paint job. Uh, I, I I feel like they're when they were made by Jess Goodwin or whoever sculpted them back then, they were like the pinnacle or very best miniature that were ever made mm-hmm. back then. And it's a shame that they are like showed in the attics or in the old boxes yeah. and don't see the daylight. Yeah, they have a lot of interesting character that they don't seem nearly as, say, streamlined as a lot of the newer ranges of models do. And yeah, like if you really look at them, a lot of them do have little quirky, interesting details and stuff that, um, yeah, if, if you paint them nicely and put them on like a nice base or whatever, like as a group, they look like really nice. And I almost think the scaling was more consistent back then too. So like if you have a whole range of them, like they look really good together. I kind of wonder if, a lot of people in the hobby, if they've been into it long enough, they started out with some of those older models, and then after a while thought, like, wow, those proportions are terrible, those models are, aren't good. And then eventually, after being into it for a while, came back, and it's like, you know what? I do kind of like them. models. <laughs> like, and the new model's yeah. proportion's bad, too, so it's just, it shifts around. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am much more fond of them now than I had been, I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah, many say that it's uh, nostalgia or something like that, that when you admire the old models, but I think it's just one bit of the things that draw me back to painting those. It's also the appreciation of the hand sculpting back then when they were like uh, sculpted in uh, one-to-one when they're like doing these three ups mm-hmm. these days and sculpting things with 3D and doing the shortcuts to copy the different like assets and stuff, assets yeah. and stuff, and you can say those are 3D sculpted because they look like that. But back then, they, everything was made in by hand, and you could say which miniature was sculpted by who. That's from those so like who, 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 that that like the dwarves are made by Perry twins and this this mm-hmm. this range of uh, chaos uh, champions are made by Chess Goodwin and you know you could instantly know who had sculpted which model, but these it's days true. you don't know that and Games Work doesn't Workshop doesn't include well, the crates. Yeah, it was by the Citadel design team and then people yeah. cryptically on Instagram. So like, oh, I was happy to be part of the team that worked on this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah, because I think then with digital stuff, like you can just like reuse certain assets again. So yeah, it's just they don't. Even if one person primarily did it all, like it's harder to tell. There isn't the same like you can just tell. Uh, a Jess Good, an older Jess Goodwin sculpt, or Brian Nelson, or yeah, like the Perry twins, like you're saying. And there's something great about that, and know, knowing that everything that's on there, they did themselves, and it wasn't just like clicking to have it just appear. And yeah, they have a a nice charm because of that. Yeah. 
Um, do you why uh, the shift to old hammer as much? Like, is there a reason for that? They're just uh, yeah, it's uh, everything goes back to the uh, time when I refound the hobby back to two, 2006, I think, when I came back to the hobby. And it was the old stuff that brought me back. I started painting the old hammer stuff, okay. old orcs and old dwarves. And uh, stuff that you had because you still had a bunch of that stuff? Or? No, no, I, I actually didn't have that many old models with me. So I had to go through the eBay and buy all the stuff <laughs> back. I had this old uh, dwarf, small, very small old, old dwarf army with the bookman rangers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, back in the 90s, I sold it to Mikko. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Even I didn't know who Mikko was, but Mikko was who, who both the whole oh whole army. God. There was middle middleman between us, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, the old hammer stuff was the thing that brought me back to the hobby, and I shifted from there to do the modern 40k, and uh, I did that for uh, 10 years or something like that. And I think it was the Mordheim event that mm-hmm. Alexander arranged, where we met also in Helsinki. Uh, when I kind of like uh, found the old War, Warhammer fancy world and old world again, mm-hmm. and uh, I did some like these old halflings for my Avarlander uh, gang, and uh, I felt pretty good painting them. And I was thinking like uh, maybe I should go back to painting old hammer stuff. And uh, I had like a bunch of uh, old boxes and miniatures, like I think. Tens of kilos of <laughs> kilograms <laughs> of old old lead. Yeah, and and uh, so I, I didn't didn't run short with those. So I started painting those, and I felt pretty good. Yeah, in, in it myself, had, uh, uh, felt great to finally start start getting paint on some of that stuff and getting it out of boxes and just seeing it come to life per se. Well, I was going to say the notion of there's certainly some nostalgia to it, but I feel like a lot of the people, like certainly for us, we didn't really interact with a lot of the models too much when we started. Like they were there, but like I never paid that much attention to all of it. So um, there is a huge wealth of stuff to like explore and look at that I feel at this point, most people have never even seen. So yeah. like, I almost feel like, you going in, exploring them, painting them is giving them like sort of a new life. And I think people are now more and more getting excited to kind of take a closer look at a lot of these earlier models and stuff, because there is a lot to like, like and enjoy with them that would have would have been very easy to just ignore they're i probably guess probably a lot more expensive on ebay now than they would <laughs> they are been like yeah that's that's a shame that's that one. Just... yeah because now yeah. you're making it cool <laughs> people want them yeah I, I think it was alexander who once said to me that you should you should, you should, you should stop painting those because you are like raising the prices of <laughs> on all the <laughs> market markets so. But uh, yeah, jokes aside, uh, there are like very many different 
routes that you can also pick when you are doing the old hammer. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can go through painting Warhammer Fancy Battle armies, or you can pick these old like scenario miniatures that cost like hundreds of hundreds of dollars mm -hmm. each. Just like yeah. one model, it costs yeah, like over hundred euros. So it's it's crazy. For example, the Terror of the Lich Master campaign, the uh, Heinrich Kemmler itself costs over hundred euros. Euros. So it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy how much money you can <laughs> actually put in the old metal. But, what uh, I really want is like every once in a while, at least in the United States, you'll walk into some old hobby store and they'll just have a ton of old blister packs for not oh my god money. and that's what you crave <laughs> it's like give it all to me <laughs> uh, yeah, i'm buying all of it <laughs> it's great it's often like 10 euro 10 dollars per yeah. blister it's, yeah. it's crazy yeah. <laughs> there, there actually was this one uh, shop i um, don't remember was it in portland or something like that that this one of my instagram followers was taking photos and oh, they, there was this huge blister wall Oh my shop and all, all yeah. the blisters were like five to ten dollars and they were, were like from the 80s and 90s and was like oh my god you have to check if you have this and this and this and yeah and i actually was able to buy like uh, eight or ten blister from that shop that's excellent. that's amazing <laughs> well so when i was in san diego i found an old like a comic shop and they had lots and lots of unopened blisters of like rogue trader models just weird stuff and i bought a lot of that but i don't i didn't Ooh. buy all of it which was probably a mistake um but yeah so every so often like there are a lot of i guess particularly in america there are a lot of older shops that they've just held on to that stuff they don't really know what it is anymore and yeah that's what you have to look for <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a very something, something I dream often that yeah. <laughs> oh, there's this shop and there's this huge wall full of blister packs and I go and grab the shopping cart and stuff yeah. shopping stuff in the cart and suddenly when I'm on the paying the cart yeah. I, I just suddenly wake up and uh, <laughs> I was, I'm yeah. just ah, it was just Damn. a dream. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, but uh. Speaking of the old hammer, uh, my current project, so to speak, is to make the first uh, edition Space Hawk full metal, which means, means <laughs> replacing all the plastic miniatures with metal ones. Yeah, uh, you've made some amazing progress with that. And it's I, one of the things that I was surprised of. Those old metal terminators, like they've gone through a few iterations, and I almost feel like the original ones still. I still feel they look the best. Like their weapons are the smallest. The the ones that were around for like actual space hockey, I think. There, I mean, they were all the second edition terminators, which honestly look about the same. But I still some something about the the version before I think is even slightly better. I mean, one aspect of it, I think their bolt, their storm bolters and stuff, are a little bit smaller, yeah. which that really pleases me. But yeah, yeah. anyone <laughs> yeah. Who knows us knows that we love smaller weapons. But yeah, uh, man, seeing all your uh, Deathwing, like, uh, man, that goes after my heart. There, 
Dark Angels, in particular the Deathwing, were always, like, growing up were always my thing. And to see all these old Terminators look so good and really makes me think of that old uh, Space Hulk game, uh, the the PC game with yeah, all the Deathwing. So good. Yeah, that looks cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the the game is actually one of the, the source of inspiration for me to do the first edition Space Hook the way I'm doing it. The intro in that PC game is just so amazing. It's it's awesome. Yeah. It's Dark awesome, Angels yeah. chapter, Deathwing Company. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's yeah. cool. The little animation with all the gene stealers like coming out of the wall Breaking and the, the assault wall. cannon like kicking up yeah. and just yeah love uh, awesome captain coming with this uh, force with the power sword guy <laughs> and slashes the gene stealer in the house yeah and, yeah it's so brutal and bloody and gibbs just follow fly around when the gatling gun is it's so yeah, amazing it. and the music is so it's uh, it's perfect good. Yeah, you can find, I think that's all up on YouTube somewhere where I would suggest people watch it. I don't know, maybe you can still get the game on like good old games like GOG. Maybe they have modernized it such that it works on com- better computer software. But the game is pretty fun and it is very like claustrophobic. Which and is it's hard. It, it's, it, it's, it's, it was really hard. I remember when I was playing, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I didn't pass the first uh, mission. It was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I, I was horrible at it, but that was, I don't know, part of the charm. It was kind of terrifying. I feel really conveyed the terror of being on some lonely space hawk in the middle of nowhere. Where in space where no one can hear you scream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the metal terminators are relatively like easy to acquire. But when it got, when it comes to metal gene stealers, those are like yeah. super I was rare. Ask you about them because like the plastic gene stealers have been around for a while. Yeah, like, I don't even remember what the metal brain models look like. No, you yeah, know, they're much harder to find. Like. I guess what is interesting, I guess there've just been so many printings of those older plastic gene stealers in the kind of dark blue plastic and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, metal ones are like if they're pop up in the eBay, you have to pay like fifteen pounds per model. So it's insane. (laughs) And often they are missing like their one one of Mm. their arms or something like that. So if you count all the expansions to the first edition Space Hulk, you have to have 30 uh, oh gene sealers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. So the base game comes with 20 gene stealers and the mm-hmm. Deathwing expansion comes with 10, 10. So you have a total of 30. Well, with gene any stealers. of the expansions, do they add like the gene stealer cultists and stuff like that? Are they in any of those? Yeah, the, in the thir- uh, second uh, expansion, yeah. the gene stealer expansion, there are the uh, gene stealer cultists or hybrids. Yeah, the hybrids. And hybrids, stuff. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, journey to try to collect all the metal 
gene, yeah. gene stealers. I'm I think I have fifteen or sixteen. That's, now. that's not pretty good. How many different sculpts are there? There are four, I think. Four. Uh, well, well, actually, there are like two different incarnations. There are there are those with the metal arms, and mm-hmm. then the ones with the plastic arms. Okay. Oh, okay. You have a so, picture on Instagram of uh, some of the new plastic gene stealers up against some of the metal terminators, and those yep. new plastic gene stealers are huge compared. They to are huge, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I put them together, I was like, my first plan was to like use the new newer gene stealers to replace the monopulse blue. Oh my god, yeah, they stealer. are big. <laughs> yeah, but uh, when I put them together, I was like, this is not gonna work. So I have to <laughs> no. go to the hard way. <laughs> uh huh. Well, that okay. will be yeah, exciting wow. once you finish it, or you know, like even already, it's super exciting. Have you tried to play it at all with? Yeah, I, I I've tried the solo rules and it's very good game to play alone. Mm-hmm. Actually, the AI in the death thing, death thing uh, expansion is uh, it's uh, relatively good. Yeah, okay, that's that's uh, learn to the rules and so on. So I I live the look in the location where there are not that many hobbyists around here. So yeah, playing yeah. alone uh, solo games are like kind of like a easy way to. Yeah, I, like I've played a f- like a fair amount of Space Hulk in my time. I don't know. Is the first edition very different from like the other editions, or I, I think it's quite the same. Uh, I I think the one of the things that was changed at some point was the time limit. In the okay. first edition, you have the two three minutes time to use this for the Space Marine side. And I think in the second edition you they were removed. Okay. They removed yeah, the, this rule. Yeah. The time limit's good for you. Yeah, it, it it brings the attention. Atten- yeah. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah. Really, really great. Well, I guess we'll we'll keep our eye out. If we find any more of the gene stealers or anything like that, we'll send them your way. <laughs> uh, much appreciated. <laughs> It's a noble fight. Yeah, right. Getting all those gribbly gene stealers. Yeah. Um, I guess this maybe is changing pace a little bit, but um, could you talk a little bit about like your time with Iron Sleet and how that came to pass? Because I think it was at that time with like the the Pilgrim event. That's when we first got to meet you, which was awesome. And yeah, and I think a lot of people maybe first came to your work around that time. Yeah, the Iron Sleep was uh, first found when uh, Mixula approached approached me and Mick that if we were interested in like putting our forces together and starting uh, our co-blocking. And uh, back in the 2006-7 uh, or 2009, the blocking was the thing for the hobbies to come come out and show their stuff. It really now it's was. the Instagram, I think, more or, yeah. more or less. But uh, back then, the blogging was the thing. And yeah, we we decided to put our blogs together with Mixula and uh, and and uh, we started like we started to look some hobbies that were doing the same kind of stuff that we did. And then the Mixula's old friend Stefan, aka FPAOA, 
first mm-hmm, point of yeah. areas came also in the iron slate and that was the time when we started to do this uh, these scenarios or these small campaigns that were like focused around the story strong story talked around miniatures and that's uh, when the pilgrim project also uh, started and uh, i think the pilgrim was one of the most successful and the biggest events I've ever been apart for more time. Alexander, what Alexander did, but uh, mm-hmm. the Pilgrim was really like <clears throat> exciting project and also like uh, I think pushed many of our like uh, creative minds to the limits that when we had to like learn new things and try some new stuff and uh, like be really creative. Because there were so so many very creative people involved in that like uh, project, like you guys and the, the guys in the Nottingham and many other yeah, uh, uh, our like friends. And uh, when every whenever anyone was like uh, when someone published something that they had done for the project, you had to like think that oh shit, I have to like do something <laughs> even better, and yeah. that was like. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really exciting, and I think it was fun to have like it all kind of collected in one place and just see all that creativity. I think it was one of like the first times that we really tried to do sort of that Ink Twenty Eight style stuff, yeah. and it really I think helped solidify that and sell that in our minds as being like kind of the most exciting way or one of the most exciting ways to be involved in the hobby where you can like just be super creative and follow your own path for what you think is exciting and create interesting models and try to fit them alongside other warbands and so forth like it's really fun yeah yeah true and also it was really nice to have to have the game in the you know in the heart of the warhammer yeah, yeah. If you would have told me like a couple years before, like even just right when we were starting our blog, that we would go to Warhammer World, meet up with a lot of people, meet like John Blanche, meet Jess Goodwin, all those people, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> yeah, it was really, really fun. Yeah. And also, the Pilgrim was kind of like a bouncing blank for other projects that came along like the Thorn Moon's Crusade and uh, Inquisitor mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that and uh, the Thorn Moon's Crusade was the point where I started to build up my Red Corsair army yeah yeah and it was that way it was really nice nice project also and uh, then when the I think it was after that the uh, COVID-19 mm-hmm. came into play and uh, started messing around with our plans. And I think that was the time also when I started to rethink about my hobby also, which well, kind of things like uh, what do I want to get out of the it and what do I want to do with my mm-hmm. hobby and stuff like that. And that was the time I started doing more of the old hammer stuff also 
And maybe that was one of the reasons I uh, parted with the Irish lead, because I felt like my old hammer stuff uh, really didn't fit in the setting of Irish lead that much. Mm-hmm. Even though that other guys were, they thought different, but uh, I didn't see my co brothers in Irish lead playing uh, old hammer games with me. Mm-hmm. So I, give, I thought give about them ten more years, and they'll be <laughs> you maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have taken challenge, but uh, yeah. I thought it would be easier to just take my own path from that point on. And so I decided to go solo, so so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's exciting. Like, in just you know, f- f- having that extra freedom to like explore the stuff you're. Uh, wanting to do i think i think is 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 nice and i mean and also it's not like you've cut ties with them i'm sure it's just easier to you know explore your own creative projects this way which i guess yeah that kind of brings us to that yeah like you've created a patreon to like help support you and you have tons of cool tutorials like you actually just released one showing how you paint those uh deathwing that we were talking about which is exciting so i would certainly encourage people to uh go on patreon and search uh culty i think it's also linked from your instagram account um yeah if you want to see a bunch of cool tutorials and such and follow along with uh your journey here because i think it's 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 worth it and i i it's neat to i guess see some of like the paints you use and how you go about things because as we kind of mentioned earlier you do have a pretty evocative and unique style that is hard to emulate i think you're also i would say you're very prolific like i am very impressed with how often you're posting new stuff up there even like if it's just a new model you're working on painting like i appreciate it a lot and just um you have at least a few more thoughts about where your head is and what you're doing and i think in general i sort of like engaging with other hobbyists and kind of just hearing their thoughts about things which i guess was one of the reasons why i like the blogging and stuff like that so now that that's not, it's not consumed as much by people, but I feel this is a, another good way to kind of get back to the community and stuff, at least in some way. Yeah, the, one of my main goals when I parted from Irosleep was to try to make my hobby kind of like a self-sufficient. Yeah. So yeah. I, was, I thought different like approaches how to do it. And we tried to Patreon back with Iron Sleeve, and it, it felt kind of good, but uh, also felt like there were like these different persons who did all the job or the more or uh-huh. like more most of the like publishing in the Patreon in Iron Sleeve. But uh, it was shut down because it came like too unactive and it would have been unethical to charge. <laughs> patrons yeah. for like uh, I mean, it can account, be hard yeah, a difficult like thing particularly if there are so many people involved how you distribute that and so forth yeah. like, I think it is it's easier if you can just completely sort of steer that ship 
yourself. And it also can be, um, it's easier for people to know what to expect. And I think that is also like a good thing. Yeah. But it's a, it's still feels a lot of work to maintain the Patreon. It's uh, there. You also always have to like think that is the, is this like what I'm posting? Is this valuable information for my followers? And like that. And when you are like writing those tutorials, it's, uh, it's, sometimes it goes very easy but often not my plan was when i was doing the deathwing tutorial i was also filming it with my camera Mm -hmm. to to make a video but after i started to edit it i found out that most of the material that i did was out of focus and i was like a bummer oh shit i have to (laughs) like either redo it or do something different so i decided to decided to do it uh, as a writing instead, but uh, it's sometimes it's try and error, error which works and which doesn't. And mm-hmm. uh, there are a steady flow of uh, incoming patri- patrons on the account, but uh, also they have some people who have decided to leave it also. Cool. But it's it's understandable. Some people just don't want to pay for some something <laughs> that I do. But it's okay. I I understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, I, I, my main goal is also share as much information also free on Instagram, for example. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah. Maybe the Patreon Patreon is more like a, a sneak peek and uh, the preview of what I'm doing mm-hmm. and the, all the tutorials and more insight. And the Instagram is more like. A, you know the front seal or the front window of shop mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> kind of like that well, i think different people interact with patreon in a different way like there are certainly people who um at least for my myself for instance like i support a bunch of people but it's largely just i will support them regardless of how much content or whatever they put out it's mainly just i like their work and i would like to support them even in a small way um so, but there are other people who have wildly successful patrons, particularly like certain miniature painters that just have tons and tons and tons of different tutorials and videos and all sorts of stuff, which I think could be a good resource depending on like what you're trying to do. Yeah. Has it helped your hobby thing become more self-sufficient? I could see at this point if all of the models you want to try to buy are like a hundred euros, maybe there's no way it could become so. <laughs> it has helped my hobby to be more self-sufficient, so to speak. Uh, I feel it could also, if there are people excited about your stuff commenting, it could be some form of motivation too. Yeah, it's a good motiv- motivation to keep on painting and keep on, you know, doing the stuff I do and it gives that small like uh, uh, panic to do stuff <laughs> to finish to do yeah yeah the do stuff you, also. do you have plans to do try to do more video work I know you have a YouTube channel that maybe had a few videos is that something you'd like to try I know it is hard to film stuff I've dabbled a little with it and like yeah keeping stuff in focus and 
I, yeah. it's, it's a hard, it's a mighty task. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a big task when you have to like, uh, film it and then you have to go to the editing room and start editing and then, uh, do all the speaking and commentary and stuff like that. It's a lot of work, but uh, I plan to do more videos in the future one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> also yeah. a good learning experience i guess yeah and it's a good thing that there are also a possibility to, to do the text or mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. because i've got some uh, uh comments from my friends that uh, i wasn't really sure what you were speaking talking about but uh, it was a cool thing that you had this text also in, in the video so soup <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah okay oh. okay it's it's uh, sometimes hard to uh, you know uh, put the audio in the videos mm -hmm. when the English is your like second language and uh, you don't get to speak that so often aloud. So it's it's sometimes really hard to put in on record yourself and then yeah. listen it afterwards and you sound like terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Now oh, yeah. I'm excited to see what comes of that, and like I think it is always nice to see it like in action like that. Although, yeah, I think the process of like you probably film like a huge amount of stuff, but then like you try to cut it down to like a like a ten minute video. So like, yeah, it's just so much editing. But you know, people have figured it out, I guess, and I'm sure you will in time <laughs> yeah there are very many good tutorial videos in instagram for example when there's this very small time you can use to show what you are doing so they are very efficient in doing it in the mm, video yeah. and it's very very cool to see that people actually can do good tutorials in such a long uh, short time mm -hmm. yeah. frame this is sort of um not really following that line of questioning but do you have any uh aspirations to build more terrain like i'm not sure if it's something you've done a lot of but you built a really great sort of castle board for the more time 2019 event which is like honestly perhaps the best board i've ever seen <laughs> so i feel like anything you put your mind to is going to be awesome but yeah is that something that you want to do again or is it like oh, i have no space in my life for boards <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have no space uh, in my house for my boards yeah so that <laughs> that i understand that but uh, uh yeah the more time table is actually in my in my out uh, outhouse or garage okay <laughs> in, in boxes so it's not in display which is a shame kind of but uh yeah i have some plans to do uh some more terrain uh firstly for my i have these old hammer wood elves and orcs armies mm -hmm. uh, the wood elves, elves are almost ready and the orc army is uh 50 percent ready okay but when after i'm done with the orcs uh, i have this idea of uh, doing this small campaign for those two forces in in this thick forest uh, mm -hmm. board so that's something i'm planning and doing those uh wood pits bits is a kind of a interesting research thing to do because i don't want yeah. to use 
that much of the ready-made terrain like the Warhammer forest mm-hmm. or stuff yeah. like that. But I like to do it more like myself. And I'm being, I've tried to be sourcing all kind of like roots and uh, plants outside, which resemble at least somewhat how wood or tree yeah, or something yeah. like that. And yeah, that's something I'm doing at the moment and trying to find something suitable for that game board. Also, when you are playing like with the metal miniatures, uh, mm-hmm. the board itself needs to be also considered because uh, I don't want to, if you like uh, toss your miniature on the table and it's sand or something like that, it removes the paint from the metal miniatures. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so it needs true. to be somewhat soft surface or so also so many kind of different like things that you have to take in consideration when mm-hmm. doing board like that but um also uh, yeah i have this rogue trader uh battle at the farm uh, uh, game yeah. table in my mind and uh doing some scenery for that also is going to be interesting well you painted like a ton of the marines and stuff for that, right? Yeah, I, I've done the Space Marine side, Imperial, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sorry, you know, Crimson Fists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which America. is uh, 15 plus Pedro Cantor mm-hmm. miniatures. So I need yeah, to need paint the 20, 21 orcs, Space orc, Orcs. Okay, also. that's that's. Well, right. you have a yeah, lot of experience old. painting orcs, so. <laughs> yeah, thank God. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and thank you. I also ha- got some couple of orcs from you guys. So well, some of those, to- some of the orcs that I sent you were the ones that I bought new at that one comic shop. <laughs> yeah, uh, those will yeah. be also included in the orc force. So yeah, that's cool. Um. Well, yeah. Well, that'll be neat to see. Like, and I think it's also for like newer hobbyists, kind of. You can you can sort of showcase some of the older stuff that people hadn't really didn't really know about or like largely ignored. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of fun. Yeah, and yeah, also to see the miniatures in action because that's always my goal when I paint whatever I paint. I want to uh, be able to play mm-hmm. the miniatures cool. at some point. I don't I don't so so to speak paint showcase miniatures at all. I want to mm-hmm. play them because that's the main function for miniature. At least I think so. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I it was fun for the one Crimson Fist, the little apothecary. When you were painting that model, I was painting the same model around the, yes. that <laughs> as a Dark Angel. And yeah. it was fun because I think it was may, like maybe the second Warhammer 40,000 miniature we ever purchased. Like we... Uh, just when we were i don't know pretty young we discovered the hobby and just got like a couple random blister packs and one of the first had that little or two apothecary models one being the one that you painted with the just the bolter and it was it was great to go back to it and try to paint it better than i did like over 20 years ago <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's fun to see how you have de- developed your style in the time mm-hmm, from those mm-hmm. teenage years yeah to these days true. 
It's true. <laughs> I'm glad we still have a picture of the old the old Dark Angel painting of that. It's on our bl- on Instagram somewhere. It looks horrible. Well, I I have, have the other one too. I think I should maybe try to paint that one too. Oh, I I think I have that uh, one. I think I'll I should try and paint yeah, you that should. One. It so has we'll like a weird looking chain sword and a hand flamer that's actually small. Good time. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting to see those images in the Instagram where there's this comparison where uh-huh. people saw that they're like a miniature when they were like ten years old and then they saw their <laughs> miniature from the past few weeks and the difference is like often very like striking. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to do that. Maybe I'll try and paint that apothecary this year because they're they're cool. Yeah, they're fun. The little beakies. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess we've been chatting for about an hour now. Maybe we sh- could think about uh, wrapping this up. But I guess with that in mind, are there any projects that you're like working on now that you're particularly excited? Obviously, the Space Hulk stuff, but is there a- anything else or something that people should look forward to? Yeah, the Space Hulk stuff is uh, on the table at the moment, but uh, I have plenty of old Hammer miniatures on the line. Uh, the one is the Undead Army that hopefully really gets some boost this year but i'm also going to start painting the old talisman miniatures for the uh, second the, edition the, game, talisman. the board game <laughs> yeah yeah the board game so it's it's going to be an interesting journey also that's cool. like the, yeah and uh yeah really really looking forward to whatever this year come uh, uh-huh. brings yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. But I guess, yeah, people should obviously follow you on Instagram at Colty. Um, we'll put, you know, some links in like the show notes, link to the Patreon and stuff as well, which I would also encourage people to join if you want some excellent tutorials to help you in your painting journey to become a better painter and yeah it's always good to see how people approach things yeah i i have a uh, challenge for you guys okay okay <laughs> so each of you uh me included will uh pick up a space marine from rogue trader era and paint mm-hmm. it <laughs> in one of the classic you know chapters that's a good idea Okay, well, we, I I can certainly try and do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to look through, like, it might be a good opportunity to find a fun old Space Marine. Yeah, and it's, uh, they are, like, rather easy or, like, fast to paint because they are mostly the armor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're small, too. They're mostly yeah. just a single-piece model, so you don't have to worry about, like, painting underneath stuff. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll have to see how many we still have. Now I need to scour eBay to try to find the perfect, <laughs> <laughs> the perfect model. Yeah, well that that sound that sounds fun. That sounds fun. Um, I guess with that, do you have any uh, last things you'd like to say? Anything you'd like to plug or anything of that nature? 
Oh, well, I would like to thank you guys for having me here. Yeah, uh, no, our pleasure. On your podcast. And uh, I'd like to thank my patrons who are willing to sacrifice their money to, <laughs> to keep me rolling. And uh, yeah. No, yeah, That's about it. <laughs> it's it's awesome, and I think it's nice that there is an opportunity to just to support you along this journey and to continue to develop as a painter and show people that all these this old lead these lead miniatures can actually look as good as any modern any modern Games Workshop model. Yeah. So it's a noble goal. It is. All right. Thank well, you. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us. It was really fun chatting with you. And I guess we hope to be able to continue to talk with you again soon. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Drag into Turbo Lasers. If you have any questions or suggestions, don't hesitate to contact us through Instagram or leave a comment on our YouTube channel or on our blog betweenthebolterandme.com. We also stream on Twitch every week and would love to hear from you there as well. If you'd like to support us, please feel free to leave a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts or subscribe to our channel on YouTube and Twitch.